Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. Thanks, sponsors, Top Spinini Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins & Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Rating, Beckett Authentication. How do you collect economically and sustainably? Rich is here, Matt Galvin, and Stefan and Angela Loeffler. Ideas we have for how to be a wise collector slash accumulator of a great collection. Who wants to go first? You have the best. So let's ask. No, I buy collections. I've said I don't buy a card. I don't even buy cards. I buy collections because I really want to lower my cost. And so I I like to get a quantity discount. And I think if I'm buying, then that allows me to sell right. In fact, the people I'm buying from, they bought these big collections. And it's a question of what level of organization do you want to bring to it? My big tip, Matt, is if you want to buy one T206 you're going to pay X dollars. If you were going to buy a collection that had one T206 in it, it might be the same amount of money. If you just bought a little tiny box of cards or a medium-sized box of cards, it had mostly new cards. What Rich has helped me with is if it's 90% bad stuff at this point in my life, then unless it's giveaway bad stuff, then just evaluate it based on the good 10%. My problem is I've been buying pretty good stuff. That's it's not we, good enough to give away, but it's not high demand either. But that's what we did in the 80s. We would look at a collection. I'm walking, still doing that, though. You look into a collection walking into a store. I can get $200 out of the best cards. I'll buy it for $200. That's how I'm going to get my money back, and the rest are free. And if the rest are free, you've added to your collection. So, Matt, same thing. You buy a collection. It's got some T206s in there. If you say, I want to just pick out the T206s, number one, somebody that's selling a collection doesn't want to do that. They're afraid you're going to take the best cards. But if you say, I'll take it all, what do you want for it? And they say, I want 200 bucks. Well, there's four or five T206s in there. That was a couple hundred bucks right there with your minis. I do. Occasionally, there, at the Dallas Card Show, there's this guy with Tupperware bins. Right? The guy from San Antonio? I have no idea. I've done a few things with him, but I haven't learned his name. <laughs> but occasionally, there's a bucket with just like 60% minis, but random Bowman. And I will buy the whole thing. Because it's easier to buy the whole thing rather than count out like 60% of the box. Do you remember that guy had a $50 box? He did. The whole box was minis. Yeah. I bought it. Oh. <laughs> and there were about 50 good cards in there. Yeah. And the other couple hundred. We're so great. I'm sure I broke even. Oh, yeah. But I had fun. Oh. When you value your time as fun time instead of costing time... Then you think, buying the collection, I'm going to learn. These are cards I don't want. I'm just going to find a new home for them. Don't need to get top dollar, but I want to find somewhere. Back in the day, did you think you were a better dealer or buyer? A better buyer, for sure. I have a knowledge advantage. And selling, the knowledge doesn't help that much. Other than parsing it out in a meaningful way. Where are you guys mainly picking up these collections? Are these at shows or... Uh, shops are all well, I actually have box cards at estate sales where I've just shown up and estate sales, garage sales. Except post COVID now, it's not as much. But before COVID, I bought a couple of nice collections. Mm -hmm. Frankly, I just buy at the shows. It's easier for me, also. I'm going to pay a little bit more, but it's easy. But it's easier because the people usually know what they're doing. Hassle is the wrong word. You don't even have to negotiate as much. Especially when you build up the relationship, you know what percentage you're going to get off or they'll tell you, just tell me what you're going to pay me. And literally, that's what I do. Matt, the application for you is that if you get on social media, 
Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever, and you let it be known that you're collecting, and the older the better. If they're non-collectors, they're not going to with Tito 6 even means basic older tobacco cards really enjoy that. People There's a lot of people. Previous jobs, like they've used people to find my number. Yeah, to, because know, it's this. enough out there. You may get some interest just by letting it be known, and they don't always know what it's worth, or they might think it's worth a lot more than it is. But you just have the discipline to say. You, to be honest, if the artist saying no, respectfully. <laughs> yeah. Without giving offense. I mean, honestly, Angela will tell you, they're the ComC booth. You think we would accept everything that comes in. There are times we'll tell the people, please don't give us these cards. No, please don't. You will be This will be bad for us, bad for you. Yeah, much better experience just getting rid of it somewhere in this room. And if you come to the T206s, we're not going to turn them down. But let's make that clear. <laughs> the overproduced error, we may tell you, hey. Did you 80s, have, 90s. Really base cards. There's a sunk cost fallacy. Stefan raised this. Basically, what somebody has in it is important to them, but I need to pay what I want to pay, and you need to pay what you want to pay. But the person may not sell it below a certain point, and they'll just hold on to it then. But at some point, they're ready to sell. So if you let people know that you're interested, but it's probably too narrow to say, I'm just a T206 and T218 guy. I think at a show like the National, you, you can yeah. say that, but I think at, even at Dallas Card Show or buying a collection, no, that is a little too narrow. It depends where you are. You talked about going to Boston. Boston would have enough people where you could say, I'm a T206 guy. A good reminder of in the card world, I've got my specific interest in T206 and T218, but the reality is, I think it's always good to be continually learning about everything out there. And I think that's the challenge for me over the coming years is I don't have to be an expert at all the vintage sets out there or just baseball cards in general. And I do have some more expertise in the sets that I collect, but I do need to have enough information to be dangerous to where I can make educated purchases when collections and other things come across. And again, we're not encouraging you just to be wasteful when you buy something you don't know. It always pays to be... I had a couple decades where I learned only by observing. And then the last decade, I'm learning by doing, by buying and selling. And it's more fun to go to a show instead of observing. Because Rich and I did this. We just saw what things were selling for and didn't buy or sell other than some isolated type cards. But now, to be able to buy something, now I'm getting first-hand knowledge that GI overpaid for that. Or, gosh, I got a really good deal on that. I didn't know that was that good. Now, that's more fun to me. But I had a couple decades where I just observed. Especially in your position at the time. I'll tell you, it just wasn't as much fun. So observing for you, you're going to learn. But sooner or later, you're going to want to reach for the wallet. I'm saying, I've seen enough of these. I want to buy this. Or I want to trade for it or whatever. You're going to get... And, and there's nothing as good. we say just remember what you know you've never seen before is probably the thing you want to take your wallet out for if you've been observing for a while there's nothing wrong with observing so don't get us wrong especially in that realm of older stuff like I find that you have to end up buying it to figure out to what take it is home. it do more research like buy one to figure out what is this thing that I came across because I've spent Lots of time in books trying to figure out why is this set like only 15 cards and it's like numbered to 50 on the back. <laughs> there's also the way your brain works because there's a reason why Angela looks at all these minis. The mastery of that is I don't know anybody that's fully mastered that because there's so many subjects in different years and 
different borders. And I now have more acquaintances than I had before, and I'm sure you do too, but to really be totally on the tip of your tongue of what everything is worth. If well, you can do that, then that's amazing. Well, I have a sliding scale on what it's worth today. Sometimes I have to reacquaint myself with where is it at, like, scale-wise, because sometimes those years go up and down. I know, but the birds are not as good as the animals. Or People love the birds. And she's chosen, based on the way she likes to do things, something that's extremely complicated. Now, yes. T206, they call it the monster with all the back variations. Mm -hmm. But somebody could master that. Well, and it's a lot more money, too. When I'm at the Dallas Card Shop, I'm in a dime box. I'll just buy Angela the minis because it's easier just to say, I don't have to ask her to dime each other. They were 10 cents. They're 10 cents. And she goes to me on one of the packages. She goes, you don't have to do this. I said, Angela, they're 10 cents each. Don't worry about it. I mainly say that because my card room is so overflowing, I cannot sit in it. But right then now. she looks at this and says, oh, one of the lots I bring back is maybe 50 cards. And she's looking at it. Oh, this is a $15 card. This is a $20 card. Okay, go back to that person's table. Just send them some more money. Tell them we're sorry. Tell them the person like 10 or 15 more dollars just to say, okay, Rich bought them for me, but we can't do this to you. Are you running out of plastic sheets? They're 18 pocket or whatever? I'm always running out of plastic sheets. Yeah. Matt, we're talking about selling. You, you sell for a living. That is correct. So do you think your selling skills for what you do is transferable to selling sports cards when that time comes? Absolutely. I think that sales is inherent in all facets of life, whether you're buying sports card or trying to propose to your girlfriend. It's all sales. And I think that carries it's, over to baseball. The way you're saying it, it sounds like you prepped hard for the proposal. What That's did you a do? big deal around here. Man, now I had surprised and my wife, now Catherine, back when I was on the East Coast, I told her I was in Atlanta at a race all day and ended up surprising her on her back porch and that's how our oh, wow. folks there's some sales there so yes i do think selling cards is important too and part of that is building relationships and adding value and as you do that over time and i hope to do that in the hobby that'll be more important as time goes on you're looking at it as a relational journey and it seems like the sales you're in because some people are good at cold call sales you meet somebody once they either buy or don't buy and you move on but there's other relational sales. Not that the selling cycle is that much longer. It's just that you're expecting to do repeat business. And that's a much better way to do sales, to form the relationship, size up the need, and try to help them be successful. If it's B2B or anything that is a higher level of understanding of the salesperson, you're not just trying to talk somebody into something. They need something and your product can fit the bill or your company or the ones you rep. You and Angela did the table, I think, at one of my synagogue shows way back. And it was mostly to get rid of some inventory, but we also traded that for stuff that was available on the show floor. We left with a net of zero. That's sustainability. We left with the 83 Tyson, the Kirby Bucks series team set, a game-used Killigrew hat, and three cards for what I'd sold. I'll take that all day, every day. So are you sustainable? Is your basis in your collection either one of y'all? Is it above zero, below zero? I don't try to buy unless I've sold. You're not dipping into... I try not to, but I will. Temporarily? Will you replenish? And if you take some... Yeah, sure. I try to keep it at a net positive. But Matt, the only way you can do that is buying and selling. It can't be sustainable if you're just buying. If you're buying, then it's a budget item, and you're saying, I'm going to spend this much per month or per year, and I'm going to enjoy it that much. It's kind of going to the movies or doing something else. This is part of my entertainment and all that. But if you're buying and selling and, like say, buying collections, 
you're invariably going to have some stuff that you don't need. And if you can sell it for what you bought the whole thing for, then you kept the T206s or the stuff you like for free. You're in the beginning phase of your life. You have two very young kids. You're looking for a house. Which are both going to change your life quite a bit. Kids are going to... Newsflash, kids are more expensive than a house. (laughs) (laughs) We have quickly learned that over the last few years. I would have thought the house was more expensive. (laughs) At first. It's not, it's not, I'll put it this way, it's not easy being in Dallas trying to look for a house this day and age. I'm a big fan of self-sustaining hobbies. I am too. So it's definitely the only way to do it. The easiest way to do it. It keeps peace in the family. I I don't think you need marriage advice, but I'm just saying it it can be an expensive habit if it's the other way. I think there's a lot of younger guys that are doing that. This is their investment portfolio, and that's a little bit scary. It may work out great. It's worked out great for some people so far, but... I'm a big proponent of do not hide the mail from your wife. Or your husband. Uh, Be communicative. Okay, I wanted to get this story into a podcast, so I'll just tell the story. So I have this awesome wife, you all know, and she told me, Last last night said you got some Panettone from somebody. Some collector sent you a big box of Panettone. I've got this great recipe for bread pudding. Mm. So you know the Italian cakey kind of thing you get at New Year's. And I said, well, I don't know who that would have been, but it'd probably be nice. And it's the box right over there. And she said, I get this great. I said, well, I've got a great recipe for doing bread pudding too. I said. He said, well, no, I want to do this for you because my recipe is better than yours. And I said, yes, dear. Okay, so. I go over to get the box. I pick it up. I feel it, and I think, gosh, it's pretty heavy panettone. <laughs> I looked at the box. It said panini. <laughs> <laughs> there were some panini boxes. <laughs> I thought, this is even better than panettone. <laughs> so forget wow. the bread pudding. <laughs> thank you, panini. Anyway, thanks, Matt. <laughs> and thanks, everybody, for another good episode.